to have guests here, and we hope that you'll uh, give us a chance to express that to you before you leave. Uh, just a few announcements. First of all, be sure and pick up one of the bulletins uh, before you leave tonight. It ha it'll have an update on the sick, and so we want to remember all those that are sick in our prayers and those who've lost loved ones, so please uh, get a copy of the bulletin. Also, we want to express our sympathy uh, to the family of Jim Olive. He is known by many people here in Boonville, uh, who grew up in this congregation, and there's going to be a celebration of life in honor of him on October 23rd in Nashville. Also, uh, our weekly pantry item uh, this week is canned pasta, and the food pantry and the clothes closet will be open next Thursday, a week from tomorrow, as well as the following Thursday. Also, there's going to be a gospel meeting at the Oak Ridge congregation, and we plan to take a bus on Monday evening. Uh, we'll leave the building uh, from the annex at 630. I believe Brother Lance Foster may be conducting that meeting, if I remember correctly. And so uh, if you would like to be a part of that, then join us on Monday. Uh, also, the Golden Circle has a couple of things we need to remind you about. Uh, the trip to Nashville is coming up. Uh, the deadline uh, for giving the money for that trip is now. Also, uh, the Golden Circle monthly luncheon will be this coming Tuesday at 11.30 in the Annex. I hope I haven't overlooked anything tonight, but if I have, I apologize for our devotional. Uh, uh, Brother Jeremy is going to be leading our singing, and uh, Chris Langley will lead our prayer at the appropriate time. If you would, Mark number 679, that'll be our song of invitation. 679, we'll sing the first and second verse at the appropriate time. Before we're led in our thoughts, we'll sing number 867, To Canaan's Land I'm On My Way. We'll sing the first and last. people without exception are are looking to find joy true joy and one way that we can certainly find joy in this life even through our own personal struggles that we have to deal with is simply to keep serving other people over in the book of Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13 the Bible says for you who were called to freedom brothers only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Notice that phrase there, through love serve one another. You know, being one who serves is a part of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Any life that's lived by faith is going to be a life of service, a life lived by hope is going to be a very positive life, according to Romans 8 and verse 24. And certainly your serving and my serving can be improved through the power of love. You think about the example of Jacob over in Genesis 29 and verse 20 and how 
that it seemed that uh, his love for Rachel would lead him to serve seven years for her. And it seemed unto him but a few days because of the love he had for her. And so love makes our service easy. It makes our burdens light. Service to God, love for God, love for others, love for good things is going to make us better people. And so I want to encourage you tonight to think about joy and think about it from the standpoint of serving other people. The people that you notice who are the most content, the people that you see in life who have the most true joy in life, if you look closely at their life, you're going to find that they're greatly involved in serving other people. So I want to encourage you to endeavor to love and serve others like you've never done so before. And in doing so, you'll be ready to serve around the great throne of God throughout all eternity. Tonight we're going to sing a song of encouragement and maybe you haven't had the love for God and others that you need to have. Maybe you've allowed the distractions of life to cause you to lose your focus. Maybe tonight the love of God needs to constrain you to come and obey the gospel. As you believe in Jesus as being the son of God, you then can repent of your sins and you can be tonight immersed in water. And the purpose of that immersion will be for the forgiveness of sins and the Lord will add you to his church. And so tonight, if you need to respond to heaven's call, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing. and sisters in Christ that we can learn more about your word sing songs of praises and be encouraged and edified uh, just by our presence here tonight Heavenly Father we ask your blessings on all the teachers those who are uh, have classes uh, prepared here those who are on mission trips Brother Ken and Brother JT we ask that they will be safe and that uh, all our teachers' efforts will be uh, beneficial for those that are learning. And, Father, we know that as long as the truth has been being taught, it will be a success. But, Heavenly Father, we uh, ask that more souls will be saved, more uh, lives will be changed as we hear your word and know that what the, the power of your gospel does for us. As we go to these classes and for the, through the future walks of this day and this life, we ever strive to be faithful servants of you so that we can live with you forever. This is our prayer in your son's name. Amen.
Teachers can pass at this time to go prepare for class. Number 705, Common Love. I know you're not. I know. All right. Well, everybody get settled. I'm not trying to put anybody on the back bench. I'm just trying to make us a little bit closer together so we can converse. And whenever we're spread halfway across this auditorium, it's hard to have a conversation. And so I think this might help our conversation. It might not, but that's up to you guys. All right. I don't know how everybody's had a... Uh, a day, but this time of year, it's busy for me. You might be surprised. I got three kids doing soccer, so we were at the soccer field from 5.30 till 7 last night. Jack is in scouts, so we had scout meeting from 7 till 8.30, and well, by the time you get home, it's time to put kids to bed, and then it's time to work on a Bible class lesson, so uh, we have been going strong. Can you turn me down just a little bit? And so today we walked in, Brent calls me upstairs and says, camera's not working. Would you believe it? I broke the camera. Nobody wants to laugh at that, okay. <laughs> the, uh, we are still going to go out live stream. We're going to have the audio only for it. Uh, but at this point, uh, we'll figure out what's going on with the camera and work on that another day. Always something to, to work on today. Always something to improve on. Always a place in the congregation for you to be able to help out with whatever skills you might have. So I encourage you to, to volunteer, to be a part of all that we've got going on here. Before we get into class, we will talk about any prayer requests that you might have. I don't have uh, stuff that I can put on the screen today, but we'll write them down and take, take notes on it. Uh, my classmate, that, uh, Sue James, we've been praying for on uh, Sunday night or Wednesday night, she passed away. Uh, she lost her battle. Susan, she passed away. She, is, she was a nurse. She was taking care of them, but telling how many people. Steve's um, mother, Cindy Barnett, is going to have surgery in the morning. Cindy Barnett's having surgery. I don't know where I had or what, what the problem is. 
text your mother about Corrector 6 that did on the way down here. Send it, send it, Barnett. Cindy Barnett, you need to turn, have them turn me in just a little bit to Y'all need to turn up just a little bit. It's when he talks, it messes it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's always bouncing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, any other prayer requests? We need to pray for uh, my brother Ken. He's on uh, mission trip, and brother JT. Brian Rowland's uh, contemplating more foot surgeries. Have they had that yet, or just Tuesday. still discussing? Coming, it's coming Tuesday. Tuesday. Brian Rowland had foot surgery on Tuesday. And then uh, Sister Barbara Beard, she fell and what did she break? Broke her arm? I go for tests Sue Mason goes for tests tomorrow. Somebody's. Brother Rick, would you pass that over to Brother Jim there and let him say our prayer for class today? Hopefully he can read my handwriting on this. We, we pray, Father, that you would be with us as we attempt to serve you. We pray that what we do is pleasing in your sight. We know that prayer is such a blessing. We pray that you would comfort the family of Sue James. We pray that you would be with Cindy Burnett, we, we, Brian Rowland, Barbara Beard, and be with Sue Mason as she goes for test. And Father, we're thankful that Ken and JT can be on this mission trip to Guyana. We pray that you would open doors for them so that the gospel could be shared more in that country. We pray for their safety. We pray for Jeremy tonight as he leads us in this discussion. We pray that we would study, would learn from our study tonight and it would help us to be better servants of thine. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <coughs> Jim. Fred, Rick was going to be on the yellow mic tonight. All right. If you would turn, let's turn into Acts chapter 9. We're going to do a quick review of, of what we've been talking about Saul and his conversion, and we're going to finish that story up tonight and then hopefully get into. Um, Peter and his discussion with Cornelius and Cornelius' and his family's conversion. So, starting off with Saul on chapter 9. Quick review. So, verses 1 through 9, we know what about Saul? Where is he traveling to? Traveling to Damascus. What is his intent on those travels? He's got a desire to arrest the, the, the Christians. Is it more than the arresting that they're doing at this time? What did, what did he just get through uh, uh, doing? He, he sat there and, and approved the stoning of Stephen, held their coats and, and was approving of, of that action. And so he's wanting to see more of this done, more persecution to the church. That's what his desire, his, his uh, hope is. What stops him? What happens to him on the road? He sees the bright light. He hears the voice. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then who are you, Lord? He obviously knows who's talking to him. Immediately he knows. And then what does he lose in that encounter? He loses his eyesight. His companions, they... Continue taking him where? On to Damascus. Damascus. Okay. Jesus meets Saul on the road where he was and in his condition 
knowing that Saul would be a great worker for him. Kind of had to kick him to make him do it. Had to knock him down. But knew he would be a great worker. So while this is going on, we also have Ananias. And we've talked about him a little bit last week. What does Ananias receive? Hmm? He's called to teach Saul. Um, who calls him? What does he have? He has a dream. He has a vision. We're in uh, chapter 9, 14, 10 through 14. Is Anna's like, yeah, let's go do this. Is that his reaction? No, not quite. What, what is his reaction? He doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to go. He's like, are you sure? I've heard about this guy. Verses 10 through 14. Uh, Lord, I've heard many stories about him in verse 13. I've read, heard many stories about this man. How much evil he has done to your servants at Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. God, are you sure you want me to do this? Is this what you're wanting me to do? Are we talking about the same guy here? Is this who you're wanting me to go see? He's kind of dragging his feet just a little bit, right? Do we have that reaction sometimes? Huh? Yeah. God, do you really want me to do that? I see you just staring me right down in the face. Is that something you really want me to do today? Or am I going to drag my feet and let that be someone else's problem? We can see ourselves in Saul, where we're going thinking we're doing the right thing, but we're tearing things down. We can see ourselves in Ananias, where I just don't want to do that today. Uh, are you sure? He's expressing concerns about Saul and, and, and the persecution against the church. That's where we've been. Let's move on to chapter 9, 15 through 17. Rick, if you would read that, please. Chapter, 15, uh, chap chapter 9, verses 15 through 17. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into this, the house, and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way, as thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. All right, so what is Ananias told that Saul's purpose is going to be? Preach to Gentiles. Preach to Gentiles. And to who else? Kings and the children of Israel. Kings and Israel. The whole kingdom's been opened up for Saul to be the one to preach to. Is this something new? At this point, is this something new? New to him. It's new to him? Yes. At this point, most every conversion we've read about has been about the Jews converting. The Ethiopian eunuch, uh, he was familiar with the scriptures. But we see all this leading towards the Jews. This is just the fulfillment of the promise that the Jews had. He was told more than just what Paul or what Saul would do in preaching. What else did he say that he had to show Saul? How much he had to suffer for. How much he had to suffer. Saul heard what his mission was was going to be shown how much he was going to suffer before he ever experienced it. That's very similar to what Jesus knew what was coming, right? And he called him brother. And he called him brother. He did. He did. He called him brother. Do we go forward thinking about what pain we might have to go through? Sure we do. Sure. We don't want to experience that. We know that everything's not going to be peachy keen and perfect and everything. But do we ever think about what persecutions we're willing to suffer for the church? We do. Hmm? We do. 
We should. We should. We should. Some of us don't want to step out and get our hands dirty. We're afraid. Just as Ananias was afraid to go talk to talk to Saul. But who's with us the whole time that we're making those efforts? Jesus. Who's calling us to go? Ananias obeyed. What are we called to do? Great Commission in chapter 28 of Matthew says, Go. We have that same command. We may not have the, a vision that says here, Go here and do this. But we're called to go nonetheless. So, how are we like Ananias? Good or bad? Okay, may not want to be stepped out, put her put her head out on the chopping block. What was Ananias let's look back at Ananias' opinion of Saul. He's afraid of him. He was afraid of him. He's evil. This is is this a person you want to be a part of the church? That, do we get to pick and choose who God calls to be a part of this church? No, but do we do that sometimes? Yes. So we can't be like Ananias in that. Something we can learn from him. We can't explain away why someone can't be a part of it. We have to open the door. We have to uh, be willing to accept. What are some good traits about Ananias? What did he do as soon as he was commanded? He went. He didn't, he didn't argue anymore. He didn't say, well, what about... No, he went. He was ready to go. This is what you're calling me to do. I'm sure he's thinking, well, Stephen just died, and maybe this is my turn. Don't know what necessarily was going on in his mind, but he went. He didn't, he didn't try to get somebody else to go in his place like, like Moses. You know, Moses yeah. kept you know, saying, not me. Yeah, he, 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 he said, okay, I, this is my calling. This is what I've been told to do. I'll go do it. I'm not going to get Joe over here to go do that. Okay? So we see that we have a laying on of hands. And we see in verse 17, says, He departed, entered the house, laying on his hands. He said to them, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you have been sent to me, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. What kind of laying on hands is this? We've talked about that a little bit so far. It looked like it was miraculous to give him his sight back. Okay, it was miraculous to give his sight back. What else does it say right there? That you may regain your sight and what? Okay. Does Ananias well, we have, yeah. have the... Uh, Ability to give these gifts? Yeah. No, I don't think so. But he's been commanded to what? Tell Paul he's going to give. He's been called to go give him the sight back. Now, he's not the one that's necessarily going to give him the Holy Spirit, but he is doing this part of the process to give him his sight back and lead him to receive the Holy Spirit. Not necessarily him the one giving it. That's not his authority. That's not his power. But it's his ability to lead him on that path, on that process. So we know shortly later on, and we're going to look at this in chapters um, on chapters chapter nine, verse twenty-six through thirty-one, where Ananias is having to give a defense of this conversion. And there before the people, the disciples, and the apostles in Jerusalem. What would have been real easy for Saul to have to be able to prove, yes, I'm a part of the church now? What, 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 what could he have had? Any of those spiritual gifts. He could have spoken in tongues. He could have done any kind of miraculous prophecy. He, could have, he didn't do any of those things at that meeting. He didn't have those gifts there. We see later on that he'll have those abilities, that he's an apostle 
not from men, but from Jesus because of his interactions and his knowing of Jesus. But we know he doesn't have the same spiritual gifts like what were given to the apostles on the front. Not at this point. We know that he didn't receive the Holy Spirit from Ananias. If he had, he wouldn't have had to convince the other men. He wouldn't have needed Ananias to convince the other men. He would have had the ability himself. And we've already talked about who Saul was going to take the gospel to. Who was he called to one more time? To the Gentiles, the kings, and the children of Israel. He was someone that would meet them all. In your own story, we're not going to, or in your own study, we're not going to go, going to go through this. But if you want to, uh, Acts twenty-two six through sixteen, as well as twenty-six twelve through eighteen, that is a retelling of Saul's conversion, telling how he came to be who he was then, how he turned into Paul, how he was met Jesus. So in your own study, you can, you can review that further. It has a little bit of difference than what we've studied in the first part of chapter 9. It gives a little bit more detail, but I don't want to focus on that today. I don't want to do that kind of study today. Um, let's move on down to verses 18 and 22, where we have the new song. So verse 18 through 22, Rick, if you would uh, read that, chapter 9, 18 through 22. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. When he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then, Saul, then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, is, is not this he that destroyed them which called on his name in Jerusalem? And came thither, hither for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. All right. So verse 18, immediately what happens to Saul? He, he, got his sight, he got his sight. He got his sight. Just immediately. He's got that. What has he been doing for the past three days? Praying. He's been praying. Lord, give me back my sight. Lord, I'm sorry I persecuted you. Lord, Lord, Lord. Did any of that restore him? No. No, it didn't. None of that restored him. Did the laying, home, laying on of hands of Ananias restore him? Spiritually. Not yet. No, it did not. It restored his sight just as many other people had received healings and miraculous healings. But immediately, what was his response? He arose and he was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. What had he also been doing for those three days? He had been doing what? Fasting. Fasting. Okay. So he's getting weak at this point physically. I believe this strength in here is more of a physical strength because it's tied there with food. But he was baptized. And Ken's gone over that over and over and over again about the processes that people have to go through before they're added to the church, before they're added into the number. So where was he originally heading to? Damascus. He's in Damascus at this point. He's been waiting. He's been restored. Verse um, 19b. He's still with the disciples in Damascus. They've witnessed these events. They've been with Ananias. They, Ananias, I'm sure, is telling everybody, hey, this is what's going on, guys. This is what's going on. Hey. And so everybody knows what's going on. But in verse 20, he was originally heading to these synagogues, right? He was getting ready to go and start taking people into custody. And his immediate response is, I am here to proclaim Jesus Christ. What? Can you imagine the people that hadn't heard what's been going on saying, wait, wait, what am I seeing? What am I hearing? Could you imagine? 
They're more likely to thought he was triggering them so he could get them all together. So yeah, it's like, hey, Saul, what's going on here? And it took him a long time in, in your further studies for him to kind of get over this, this original stigma of his mission prior to this, where he was hurting and, and, and uh, taking people captive. He proclaimed Jesus as the Son of God. He did more than just proclaim. What does it say in verse 22? What did he do? It's another P word. He what about Jesus? He praised in his faith, earned in his strength. Keep going. Confounded the Jews. Confounded, but didn't just confound them, but what did he do? He proved. He proved Jesus was the Christ. He did more than just come in and say, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe just like you do. He proved it. He had the knowledge. He had the background. He had the prophecies, the stories. He knew the truth. He didn't sit down and, and study with Ananias for very long of any kind to say, here's where you've been wrong, Saul. Saul knew and was able to prove it immediately. Jonathan, in a debate, you got to know both sides of the argument, don't you? Saul knew both sides. He probably knew beforehand that Jesus fit all the boxes, but he refused to accept it. Do we know people like that? We do. And hopefully one day they'll have their eyes open. We'll be there to help them uncover their eyes like Ananias was there to uncover Saul's eyes. So Saul knew, he proclaimed. And y'all reference this back in 22. What was the Jews' reaction? Confounded. What does that mean? What does confounded mean? Hmm? Heard of some whispers. What they didn't know what to think. They didn't know what to think. Okay. Beyond confused. Beyond confused. Okay. They had no real answer to his argument. They had no answer to his argument. If, you can, if you're in a battle and you confound your enemy, what have you done to your enemy? Pretty much just annihilated whatever position they had. They're coming in and saying, man, you got to think, there's Jews here in Damascus. Here comes Saul. He's going to tell us how we've been right all along. And then Saul breaks it down and says, oh, by the way, Jesus Christ is some God. And here's why and here's everything to prove it. And they're just dumbfounded. Confounded, thrown into disorder. Can you imagine that synagogue? Whoa, what are you teaching in here? What? what you, you can't do that. That's not why you're here. You're here to be on our side. What? No, we, we can't take that offense. They're perplexed. They're embarrassed. Oh my goodness, what is he saying? Cast down or make the shame. You think back to the day of Pentecost. They were pricked to the heart. Some of these people said, oh my goodness, what a mistake we've made. Terrified, dismayed, astonished, stupefied with, dis with amazement, or destroyed or overthrown. Basically, he just fulfilled, filled in all the boxes, filled in the whole storyline for the Jews there in Damascus to know the truth. We don't talk about, we don't know who, who was converted in that time frame. But I guarantee you there were some. And then at the same time, there's some that probably hearkened on down to, nope, I'm going to stand in my ways. Everybody always has a choice, no matter who presents it to them, no matter who comes to them. Some will accept, some will not. Now, in a lot of other stories we have where the gospel is being preached, there's usually something that accompanies it. Saul didn't have any. What, what, what did Saul not use to convince people? Hmm? Miracles. miracles. There's no mention of him doing any miracles saying, here's this gift that I have to prove that Jesus is, is the true God, is true Son of God. He didn't have to use those. He used logic and knowledge and the scriptures right where those shoes were and proved that Jesus was the Son. 
Any other? Uh, and then verse 22. Lastly, the first part. Saul increased all the more in spirit. I'm sorry. I read that one wrong. All the more in strength. Is that the same strength that we talked about back in verse 19? I don't think so. 19, it was accompanied with food. Here in 22, I think this is a spiritual strength. He's starting to catch on fire. He's realizing, that, you know, I, I'm sure that Jesus connected some dots for him that we don't have a story for. But he is more and more sure of his position that he's taken. We talk so much about we're either growing or falling. He's growing here. He's proven. He's reassuring himself. He knows what's right and what's not. Are we doing that? I know I struggle continuing to improve myself. Started off the day saying, I was at the park all day yesterday at scout meeting and then right to bed or right here to study this lesson. Waking up at 5 o'clock to do homework with a child who forgot to do his classwork for two months. This week has been a week. <laughs> Network at the office fails. Stuff here doesn't work sometimes. Filling in for singing at the last minute. There's always something to distract us. Yeah. Always something. And I learn more and more, you have to make time. Right? If you want to do something, you got to make time. Because if you don't make time, is it going to happen? Not often. So we got to make time to make sure we're strengthening ourselves. All right. The rest of chapter 9, and we're going to skip over this, the rest of chapter 9 talks about um, basically Saul back in, and talks about some healings that occurred, also talks about Saul in Jerusalem and the defense there. We talked briefly um, about him not needing to prove himself uh, through spiritual gifts, but, he came, but Ananias came to the defense and gave the history there, so we're not going to repeat all that. Let's move on down to chapter 10. Chapter 10. This is where we have the story of Peter and Cornelius. Uh, we have their visions. Uh, specifically, we'll go with Cornelius's uh, vision. Before we move to this, any other thoughts or anything on Saul? Before we move on. Okay. On to Cornelius. Uh, let's look at verses 1 through 8. I'll read those. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known at the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, prayed continually to God, and about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God came in and said to him, Cornelius? And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Give me some characteristics of Cornelius. Things that we learned about him in this, this section. He feared God. He feared God. He was a devout man. He was a devout man. Generous. Generous. Prayed. Prayed. Obedient. Obedient. Sounds like he was a Roman. He was a Roman. Which means he was not a Jew. Jew. He was a Gentile. What was his occupation? Centurion. Centurion. So he was in a, a commanding position. He had servants, men that would go and, and travel for him here. We missed one thing. 
Hmm. Now we talk about giving. First Hmm. We haven't gotten there yet. All right. Was it? Hmm. He saw a vision. He saw a vision. Um, Huh? He, feared God. he did fear God. Who was with him? Was it just him that did this? His whole household. So he was influential on his whole household. He led them. It wasn't just him doing these things. I guarantee you, his family and close friends were doing these things. Okay? He believed in one God. Was that the norm? No. Uh, somebody flip over quick to 1 Corinthians 8, 5, and 6. I got those up there. Romans 1, 21, Acts 14, 15, and then 1 Thessalonians 1, 9. Just somebody, when you get it, just read, read it. 1 Corinthians 8, 5, and 6. Or even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom are all things and we exist for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things and we exist through him. So we've got the juxtaposition there, many gods, many, many idols, many uh, spirits versus the one God. Who's got Romans one twenty one? Although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but it became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So they did not follow God. So that's our Gentiles, that's the people that did not follow. Uh, Acts 14 15. And say, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you, and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things the living God, who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all the things that are in them. The useless things being idols. Uh, items made by man. Compared to the God that created everything. 1 Thessalonians 1.9 That's another one about idols. We'll move on. Uh, what did Cornelius not receive in his vision? He had a really short vision. He was told specifically, send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. And he told him where he was. What are some things he wasn't told? He wasn't told what to do outside of go and find this man. He's, he wasn't told, hey, this is how you go to salvation. He wasn't told how to become in a safe spirit or in a safe spiritual state. He only received a message of who he needed to talk to and how to go get him and where he was. He acted on it immediately. As soon as that vision was over, he went and got the man and he went. Now, we know several other stories about commanders in the Bible, or centurions or commanders that have been told to do things. Look at Second uh, uh, Corinthians 5, or, sorry, 2 Kings 5, 9 through 14. We'd read about Naaman. What was Naaman called to do? He had leprosy. What was he called to do? Go dip in the Jordan seven times. Why am I going to dip in the Jordan seven times? There's cleaner water, river elsewhere. Why can't I go there? He'd ask you to do something hard. Wouldn't you have gone and done that? I mean, how hard is it? Just stubborn, not wanting to do a simple thing that he was taught. We see the faith here. Lord, you tell me to do it, I'm going to go do it. That reminds me of another centurion that we read about. I believe it's in, I don't have my notes here. Where we have um, Jesus' interaction with Centurion. Another man that's not a Jew who believed and had faith that said, You tell me to do something, I'm going to do it. You don't even have to go and heal my, heal my servant. You just say the word. Zacchaeus? What is Zacchaeus? Um, 
So we see here another man with faith that's stronger than many of the Jews. Now, how long was this trip that these men had to make? What we'll see later on, it took four days for the men to get there and come back in total. So basically a day and a half to get there. We're going to read when I hear shortly where uh, they're received. So let's look at Peter's vision, verses 9 through 20. The next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop about six hours to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open up and something like a great sheet descending, being laid down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. But the voice came a second time, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. How many times did he see that vision? Three times. What was his first response? No. Oh, no, 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 no. You're not going to trick me. I'm not doing that. I've been told all my life I can't do that. I can't eat those things. No, 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 no. I'm not doing that. Is that the same response Cornelius had? No, Cornelius said, yep, let's go. Here we go. Whatever you say, I'll do. Peter's hesitant. Don't you wish we just had straightforward communication like Cornelius received? Wouldn't that be awesome? Hey, Jeremy, go see John. He's going to help you with video today. Go do it. He's going to say yes today. Not that he doesn't tell me no. But hey, hey, go see Jerry. Jerry's wanting to help you today. He's, he's, he's ready and primed to go. Man, wouldn't that be awesome to know who I need to go see, who I need to go talk to, and be able to get an idea and a good response immediately? Wouldn't that be awesome? It would be. No, but that's not what happened here. Peter had a cryptic vision. Peter didn't have that straightforward answer. He says, hey, eat something unclean. I ain't doing that. I don't know. To me, Peter always struggled letting go of tradition. Yeah. He did. And, and this is one where God gave him a direct command and he said no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The man was bold, if nothing else, yeah. right? I mean, it's like, he, he assumed it was a trick question. Yeah, I mean, he's confused. He's like, this can't be right. What? 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 I must eat something bad. I'm smelling something down there. And I'm, I must be too hungry. He, he says no. He's perplexed. He can, he's confused. But when he's given the next command, what does he do? He goes. Hey, there's three men here. Go receive them. Go with them. Okay. Can do. I'll do that. I wish we had that timing too. Hey, here's here's your answer. Here's who you need to talk to. Go talk to them right now. Okay, here we go. All right. I wish we had that line of communication because that would make our outreach so much easier, wouldn't it? It would make it so much easier. All right. Let's see how Peter Peter's actions verses 21 to 23. And Peter went down to the men and said, "I'm the one you were looking for. For what is the reason for your coming?" He doesn't know who these people are. And they say, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear the, what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. He's receptive. He decides immediately to follow or to bring them in. And we're going to see here, and so on the next day, or second part of verse 23, the next day he rose and went away with them, some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied So he didn't go alone. He had companions, he had helpers, and he went. But it took over a day's travel. So it's the next day, so this is basically 
day three after Cornelius's vision, he travels. And then in verse 24, and on the following day, they enter Caesarea. So this is an overnight travel that he's had to make. No plans, no prep. You go with him. Okay, here we go. Off we go. 24, and on the following day, they enter Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and he called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him, fell on his feet, and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit any one of, a, of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I went, so when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked them why you sent for me. He figured it out in those two days. Hey, you can have unclean things. It's okay to, to take common things. Here's someone I want to show you. Talk, I want you to meet. That's God's communications with him. What was Cornelius' reaction whenever he arrived? He invited his friends and his family. They're there waiting for him. They know how long it takes to get to Joppa and how long it takes to get back. They're there ready and waiting for him. And as soon as he arrives in the door, he does what? Falls down and worships him. He's giving him honor. Peter says, oh, no, no, no. I'm just a man just like you. I'm just a person. You've got Peter showing his humility. We are not above anyone else. We're all unclean. We're all sinful creatures. And we have to see others as that same way. But we're all have the potential to be children of God. Verse 28, we go back to what similar to what Jonathan said. He had to get over the old. There's the stigma of, hey, I'm a Jew. I can't be seen with you. He verbally says this is not normal. I'm not supposed to be doing this. But he's not a Jew anymore. His eyes have been opened and said, oh, wait a minute. This whole message of God, this whole church, this whole of everything is not just for the children of Israel. It's for everybody. Now the reason why I like this story right here in connection with Saul is we were told Saul was going to be the one that goes to the Gentiles, right? Peter does. Peter's the one that opens that door. Yeah. He opened the keys to it. Do you think Saul could have made that his first conversion? Do you think it would have been received by the brotherhood in the same way? I don't know. Peter's quickly learning that the new law, the new covenant, is much different and better than the old. And he was quick to embrace it. He says, I'm here to share the word with you. We see in verses 30 through 33, Cornelius' response. Cornelius said, four days ago, here's where we knew how long this took. About this hour, I was praying, and behold, and he tells the story of his vision. So I sent for you once, and you've been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here. Everybody, his friends, his, his close friends, his family, we are here in the presence of God. He is a devout man. To hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. We are hungry. Tell us what we must do. Tell me more. Tell me, tell me, tell me. It's a far more cry from, Lord, I don't want to talk to them clean. I don't want to do something unclean. The fields that God has prepared are enormous. And they knew they were gathered in the site. How many people have tried to run away from God? Many, many. Many. We know about Jonah. We know about him trying to run and hide. We can't hide. God is always around us. And this man, Cornelius, knew that God, they were in the presence of God always. I wish we had more time. Verses 20, 34 through 43, we see Peter's message. He knew where Cornelius was, where he started. 
or where he was in his walk. He says, look, you know all the recent events that have been going on. You understand what's been going on. And he lays out the plan. He lays out what Christ did. And he lays out, here's the foundation. So he baptized him, right? Y'all know the story. He wasn't baptized then. What came upon this household? The Holy Spirit. In what way? Very similar to what happened to them. In the same way as that it came upon the apostles. In the same way. And Peter couldn't refuse anything at that point. He says in um, the latter part of that section, through 43, or um, sorry, in 44, the, the Holy Spirit fell on her on all them. And all the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues, extolling them. Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? We'll see later on whenever they're explaining this. Because he had to explain what he had done. They received it just like we did. Oh, okay. I can't, I, I can't challenge. In verse 48, And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they are asking to remain for some days. Again, it went back to baptism. They were added there with baptism. Just as the first day day of Pentecost. First day of the church. The apostles received the Holy Spirit. These people received the Holy Spirit and were baptized. The Gentiles also, also God has granted repentance that lead lives. That's in verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 18. Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. They smashed any barrier that was there. The barriers were gone. That stigma, we can't give this to the Gentiles. We can't enter the Gentiles. Everybody has different hearts. These hearts of Cornelius and his family, they were well cultivated, good, soul ready, and willing to hear the word. Some are not always that easy. And I pray that we will make it. Thank you so much for your attention, your participation, your comments. Thanks so much. I hope y'all have a wonderful week.